Please turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30. The title of today's message, What Christ Means to Me. First Corinthians one thirty. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness, and I want to emphasize that word, and sanctification and redemption. Not long ago I saw an article in a Christian mail out the title of which was, What Christ Means to Me. And I began to think about this statement, and doing so, opened a vast and blessed matter for meditation. Out of this meditation, I decided to preach on this great subject of what Christ means to me. I've tried in my many years of preaching not to speak in my sermons of myself or of my family. But in this message, the very nature of the subject leads me to do so today. Now, by way of introduction, I'm going to identify a person and then define a special term. The identification is this. In our text, the term of him has reference to God the Father. But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus. The Greek word here literally means through Him. Through God the Father, we are in Christ Jesus. We do not get in Christ by ourselves. It is through Him, through His convicting work, and His calling, and His drawing, and His regenerating of us. Then the special term I shall define before we look into this text is the term justification. Justification is a legal term. It has to do, it's a word for a court of law. It refers to a judicial act in this case, an act of God whereby he declares a sinner not guilty and at the same time declares him righteous before God. So remember, justification means God declares a man not guilty and at the same time righteous before God. God the Father, acting as judge, makes this declaration after imputing Christ's righteousness to that sinner. We're going to talk about the meaning of imputation uh, a little bit later. I believe that justification by faith is the most important doctrine in God's Word, if one doctrine can be said to be more important than others. Well, in the message today, I want to speak to you about what Christ means to me. And as I do, I want, to, want us to consider three important questions that arise 
in any serious consideration of our text. First of all, what is meant by righteousness in this verse? Paul says in our text that of or through God, Christ Jesus is made unto us righteousness. What is that? God's holy law demands a perfect righteousness from every one of us if we would be saved. A sinner needs righteousness to be able to stand accepted with God. A person has to have a perfect righteousness to stand accepted before God because the holy God demands this. James 2.10 shows us this when it says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. If it were possible, and it's not, to live by every one of God's laws except one and break that one, that wouldn't be any good. There wouldn't be the righteousness that God would accept for a sinner. So, what is this righteousness that our text is speaking of when it says Christ Jesus is made unto us righteousness? In answering this, let's begin with what this righteousness is not. This righteousness is not anything that a sinner does nor is it anything that a sinner is. Romans 3.10 says, There is none righteous. No, not one. Isaiah 64.6 says, All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. What does God's Word mean when it speaks of righteousness? Well, righteousness, as God's Word uses the term, means Moral virtue. It is the opposite of sin and guilt. It means right thinking and right living. It means holy thinking and holy living. Righteousness involves conformity to God's commands. It is behavior that is well-pleasing to God. The righteousness spoken of in our text is a special righteousness. It is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The scriptures tell us that the righteousness of Jesus Christ consists in two things. First of all, Christ's perfect obedience to God's law. Jesus Christ obeyed God's law perfectly in our place just as he suffered in our place the penalty for breaking that law. And this obedience of Christ is an essential part of Christ's righteousness. Without a life of perfect obedience to God's law, Jesus Christ would have had to die for his own sins and thus could not serve as the substitute for sinners. The death of Christ taking away our guilt would just bring us up to zero on the scale of righteousness. His life of perfect obedience gives us the positive righteousness that God requires. 
Romans 5.19 speaks of this obedience of Christ. Let's turn together to Romans 5.18 and 19. <clears throat> Romans chapter 5, verses 18 and 19. This passage speaks of this perfect obedience of Christ. Romans 5.18 and 19. Therefore, as by the offense of one, <clears throat> judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. The second thing of which Christ's righteousness consists is Christ taking the guilt and punishment for His people's sins upon Himself. Jesus Christ, the sinless one, the innocent one, the perfectly obedient one, voluntarily submitted to those sufferings and that death. This is a part of Christ's righteousness. In His death on the cross, Jesus Christ has satisfied God's law. Justice has been meted out. The penalty for the sins of God's people has been carried out. Turn to Isaiah 53 and verse 11. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 53. And verse 11. It's hard to preach any sermon without some reference to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, 11 says, He, that is Christ, shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. Or that could be read, For by the knowledge of Him shall my righteous servant justify many. For He shall bear their iniquity. Jesus Christ has worked out this righteousness in His perfect obedience to God's law and in His substitutionary suffering and death. So, this righteousness that God will accept on behalf of a sinner is made up of the perfect obedience of Christ's life and His substitutionary suffering and death. Or, we might sum it up even more simply by saying that this righteousness is made up of the doing and dying of Jesus Christ. What does Christ mean to me? He is my righteousness in which I stand accepted with God. I was by nature a sinner in God's eyes, deserving only of eternity in the fires of hell. What grace that Christ obeyed God's law perfectly for me and died 
for a sinner like me? Well, this brings us to the second question that arises in a serious consideration of this text. What is meant by the statement that Christ is made unto us righteousness? Now, here's that word, imputation, that I mentioned earlier. It is by imputation that Christ is made righteousness unto us. And in the same way, Christ was made sin for us when he died. Both were by imputation. Since he has no righteousness of his own, the sinner must have an imputed righteousness to stand accepted with God. Now here's the meaning of imputed. The righteousness of Jesus Christ is imputed. That means credited to one's account. Or counted to a believer's account. Or considered by God to belong to that sinner's account. Imputation is illustrated in the incident in which Paul intervened with Philemon concerning the runaway slave Onesimus. He wrote and told Philemon that if Onesimus, uh, he said, I want you to take him back. The Lord has saved him since I found him here in Rome. And if he owes you anything, you impute that debt, that is, you credit that debt to my account. Look at Philemon, verse 18. Philemon just before Hebrews, verse 18. If he, that is Onesimus, wronged thee, Philemon, or oweth thee aught or anything, put that on mine account. And that's what God does for us when a sinner believes. He credits Christ's Righteousness to our account. Now another word uh, that is a translation, a different translation of the same Greek word uh, as imputed is the word reckoned. And it's it's translated reckoned several places. I want us to look at one, Romans 4, 3 and 4. Romans chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. This uses the words counted and reckoned to describe imputation. Romans 4, 3, and 4. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him, imputed unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned, that is imputed, by of grace, but of debt. The person who is to be justified is considered as lacking any righteousness in himself. This is seen in the, word, in the use of the words imputed to him in Romans 4, 5. If you're still there in Romans 4, look at verse 5. But to him that worketh not, 
but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted or imputed to him for righteousness. God cannot and will not justify a person without a perfect righteousness being reckoned to that person's account. Now, you know, I've asked people, I remember one lady especially, I said, are you saved? Do you know the Lord? And she said, well, I figure that if all of my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, uh, God will give, cut me some slack for that. No. You have to have a perfect righteousness. You have to have a perfect righteousness to stand before God. Justification involves the imputation of all of Christ's righteous life and substitutionary death to the sinner. And because of this, he is declared free from all guilt and he is seen as righteous before God. Christ's perfect obedience to God's law is imputed to us. It is credited to us as though we ourselves had obeyed the law perfectly. Christ's suffering that penalty is imputed to us. It is accepted for us. It is credited to our accounts as though we had suffered the penalty. In dealing with a sinner, God is pleased to consider that sinner who has no righteousness as though he had a perfect righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. By an act of God's incomprehensible grace, this righteousness is imputed to the believer. It is reckoned unto him as his justifying righteousness. This perfect righteousness of Christ is sometimes spoken of in Scripture under the figure of clothing. We believers are said to be clothed upon with the beautiful robe of Christ's righteousness. God's Word describes the imputation of Christ's righteousness to a sinner by speaking of Christ's righteousness as a robe that is put upon or clothed upon a sinner. For example, look at Isaiah 61 and verse 10. Isaiah 61 and verse 10. Here is an example of the imputation of Christ's righteousness being spoken of as being Put on the sinner like a robe. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. In Luke 15.22, the Lord Jesus uses this figure in the story of the return of the prodigal. Turn to Luke 15 and verse 22. Luke chapter 15, verse 22. 
the Lord Jesus uses this figure of righteousness as a robe here. This is the story of the, the prodigal returning home and his father's reception of him. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. God clothes the naked, filthy, guilty sinner with the beautiful, best robe of Christ's righteousness. Romans 3.22 speaks of God's giving this robe unto and placing it upon those who believe. Let's turn to that. Romans chapter 3, verse 22. Notice the words unto and upon here in thinking about this imputation. Romans 3.22 Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. When Christ's righteousness is imputed to me, God then looks at me and He sees not my old sins, not my wretchedness, not my good deeds, not my attempts to keep the law, but He sees the beautiful robe of Christ's righteousness. He sees, better than that, he sees Christ himself. For I am in him, and he has been made unto me righteousness. God sees Christ himself when he sees me. In myself, I am deserving of condemnation. But in Christ, I have a perfect righteousness before God. We Christians were guilty and condemned by God's justice. We were bound for hell. But Christ is made unto us righteousness. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.21 here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. For he, that is God, hath made him, that is Christ, to be sin for us, who, Christ, knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, in Christ. The righteousness in which I stand before God is Christ's righteousness, yea, It is Christ Himself who is made unto me righteousness. Turn to Jeremiah 23, verses 5 and 6. Jeremiah 23, verses 5 and 6. This passage calls Christ Himself the Lord our righteousness. Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. 
In his days, Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name, whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. I wonder if you can say that today. Can you say truthfully, the Lord is my righteousness. My sin has been laid upon Christ. It's been imputed to his account. And Christ's righteousness has been laid on me. That is, it's been imputed to my account. God reckons to me. He reckons me to have the righteousness of Christ. In God's sight, I am, as Paul says in Ephesians 1, 6, accepted in the Beloved. <clears throat> it is of great importance to note here that we do not become righteous in our nature but Christ is our righteousness. I, I'm not righteous in myself, even though I'm justified, even though God sees me as righteous in His sight. I am not righteous. Christ is my righteousness. His righteousness has been clothed upon us. That's important. And credited to unto us. It has not been infused into us. Romanism teaches that when a person is saved, the righteousness of Christ is infused into him and he becomes righteous. No, that's not what the scripture says. Christ is our righteousness. What does Christ mean to me? He is the righteousness in which I stand accepted by God. When God looks at me, He no longer sees the nakedness and shame of my sin and my guilt. He no longer sees the filthy rags of my own righteousness. Instead, He sees that beautiful robe of Christ's righteousness which has been imputed to me, credited to my account, clothed upon me, and because of that, He accepts me into His favor and presence. The third and final question this verse raises, how is Christ made unto us righteousness? Or perhaps it would be better put, unto whom does God impute this perfect righteousness of Christ? How does a sinner receive this perfect righteousness? First of all, it is not because of one's own righteousness. One's own righteousness means every kind of goodness of his own. One's own righteousness means his own works. The inward goodness of his heart, the outward goodness of his life, works in general, means good works, religious works, works of righteousness. Paul says in Romans 10.3 that of their own righteousness uh, or uh, our own righteousness. He speaks of their own righteousness. Let's turn to that. Romans 10.3 <clears throat> Romans chapter 10 and verse 3 Paul speaks here of people, the people he's speaking of, he speaks of their own righteousness or our own righteousness. For they that is the Jews about whom he is speaking 
being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. We are all by nature unrighteous. And even now, we Christians in ourselves are still so. We are not personally righteous. And we have no merit with which to earn any consideration from God. Turn to Titus chapter 3 and verse 5. Titus chapter 3 and verse 5. Paul says here that we are not saved by works of righteousness. That means our own righteousness. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. We are not justified by any works or goodness or value of our works. Paul speaks in Romans 10.6 of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. Turn to Luke 18 and verse 9. Luke 18 and verse 9. This verse says that the Jews trusted in their own righteousness, that is moral righteousness, as is clear from the parable which follows. Now this verse speaks of the Pharisee's prayer in which he revealed that he trusted in his own moral qualifications and performances. Look what it says. And he, the Pharisees, spake, or rather the Lord, spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. The Pharisees were the most righteous people in the world as far as a self-made righteousness is concerned. Rather, they lived by the law. They live by the letter of God's law. But the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 5.20 that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. In Luke 5.32, the Lord Jesus said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Christ's righteousness is credited to a sinner without any consideration of that sinner's motive or merit or desert. Second, this righteousness does not uh, it's not come to a sinner because of any works or deserving on the part of that sinner. It's absolutely impossible for me to produce or achieve, or accomplish a righteousness that God will accept for me. It's impossible. Nothing that I am makes any difference in my standing with God. The fact that I am a son of a widely known Baptist preacher makes no difference with God. The fact that I am conservative and fundamental and Calvinistic in theology has no influence at all 
on whether God will accept me into his presence. The fact that I try to live a holy life, or that I'm a tither of my income, or the fact that I'm a landmark Baptist, or a premillennial, or that I've pastored Baptist churches for over 50 years, mean nothing as far as my acceptance with God. The fact that I'm a member of one of the Lord's churches and have submitted to scriptural baptism by immersion means nothing. Nothing that I am, nothing that I have done, or all that I have done makes any difference with God. Christ must be my righteousness. And everything else must be counted but loss to win Christ. God accepts no self-righteousness. Justification is of persons who are ungodly and without any virtue and without any beauty in themselves. The fact of the matter is that, as Romans 3.10 says, there is none righteous. No, not one. The one to whom this righteousness of Christ is imputed is referred to as a sinner and ungodly, one who therefore has no moral righteousness. I am accepted with God because of Christ's righteousness. I am going to heaven because of Christ's righteousness. If one could achieve, listen to this, if one could achieve his own righteousness that would be acceptable to God, then there would be no need at all for Christ's perfect obedience or His substitutionary death on the cross. That, that would eliminate the purpose of Christ's coming. Also, to think that we can be justified by our own righteousness takes away from God's great grace in saving sinners. Look again at Romans 4, 4 and 5. Romans 4, verses 4 and 5. Thinking we can be justified by our own righteousness takes away from God's great grace in saving sinners. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. The gracious God shows kindness without any consideration of the goodness or works of the sinner to cause his kindness. How can those who have sinned against a holy God come to be accepted by him and justified in his sight? The scriptures answer, we are justified by faith alone without works. Paul emphasizes this doctrine as much or more than any other in his writings. Turn to Romans 3.22. Romans chapter 3, verse 22. <clears throat> Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith, of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. Now look at verse 26 
in this same chapter. To declare, I say at this time, His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Again, look at Romans 4, 5. Right there close, Romans 4, 5. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Romans 10, 10 says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. In Philippians 3, 9, Paul says he wishes to be found in him, in Christ, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. And of course, all of us know, I trust by heart, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Turn to Romans 1, 16 and 17. <clears throat> Romans 1, 16 and 17 says that we learn about God's righteousness in the gospel. It is revealed in the gospel. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein, that is in the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Romans ten seventeen says that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. A sinner must hear the gospel of Christ's righteousness in order to believe. Saving faith is based upon the Word of God, not on feeling, not on emotion. God sees fit that he who believes be looked upon as being in Christ. This righteousness became mine. It's mine right now, and it will remain so forever. Here's an old hymn. The best obedience of my hands dares not appear before thy throne, but faith can answer thy demands by pleading what my Lord has done. So, what does Christ mean to me? He is the righteousness in which I stand before this just and holy God. As Isaiah 61.10 says, he hath clothed me with the robe of righteousness. Now, Christ means much more to me than the righteousness in which I stand accepted with God. But all else depends on this one thing. The righteousness of Christ imputed to me. If I don't have that, nothing else matters. I'm lost. Christ means everything to me. Because He is my righteousness. What does He mean to you? Are you trusting in His righteousness? Are you trusting in Christ's 
as that because of which God could should accept you? Can you say with Isaiah 45, 24, Surely shall one say, In the Lord have I righteousness and strength. Will you trust in Christ today and be justified? Let us pray. Our Father, we're thankful for the justifying righteousness of Jesus Christ. We're thankful that it's not by any works that we can do, nothing religious that we may be or do, but solely by trusting in Jesus Christ and His righteousness that we can be saved. We pray for those here today who may not have ever trusted in Christ, His doing and His dying for their justification. May the Holy Spirit grant them understanding of this great truth. And may He regenerate them and bring them to faith in Christ today. We pray these things in Christ Jesus' wonderful and glorious and holy name. Amen. We're going to stand together and sing a hymn. What number shall we sing, Brother Royce?